0: Waterford is developing a number of aspects of its port services. And it's from that port that comes our story about the long-legged spider in the Waterford estuary, which has fascinated me since I read about it in the book Waterford Harbour Tides and Tales by Andrew Doherty. It's a piece of maritime history.
1: That was a kind of a, a, a local name or colloquial name, I suppose, for what's known in technical terms, I suppose, as the passage east spit light. Uh, and it's seven seven long spindly legs that go down into the river. And we always thought it looked like a spider walking out across the the, the spit down at passage east heading towards the river. And um, so, so that's where the spider light comes from, really.
0: And it started a way back in operation in 1867, one of four built in the country with a new type of technique or technology, perhaps, if that word can be used a way back in that time.
1: It was um, a concept or a design by um, a Dublin engineer by the name of Alexander Mitchell. And he had, he he was intrigued by this, this problem of trying to light uh, areas where... Uh, there the wasn't a solid surface underneath, so you couldn't build the traditional lighthouse. And he, he hatched on this idea, apparently for opening a bottle of wine and using a corkscrew, to to screw in to place um, metal poles upon which then you could you could actually build structure. So seven of these uh, metal poles were screwed into place using a capstan winch. And of course, you would be well aware of the capstan winch being used on ships for uh, lifting their anchor or whatever else like that. But the sailors would use the capstan winch and they would sing sea shanties. And apparently Mitchell used the same system for driving these poles into the bank of the spit down there. And in three other locations, one in Cork, which you'd be well aware of, another on the River Foyle, and the fourth one was up in Dundalk. And all, all of those are still in place, as far as I'm aware.
0: Two fascinating points from your piece about the long-legged spider in your book. Mitchell was blind from the age of 22, despite coming up with this idea, and Who's putting them in and the Captain Winch, as you mentioned it on that principle, actually sang shanties?
1: It's quite a thing to think of. I suppose the whole... Mitchell himself seems to have been a real go-getter as an engineer. He was involved in many different um, inventions or um, businesses and seems to have done very well for himself and his family seemed to follow him into into, into trade and work with him. Uh, The whole notion of the capstan winch, of course, and the sea shanties was the sea shanties were used as a way of keeping a rhythm and I suppose also from um, the monotony, you know, sparing yourself from the monotony of some of the tasks that were involved. And given the the, the the physical task of screwing into, well, I won't say solid ground because it was more, it's like a sandy, shelly bank that's there below passage. And, and But it would still have been hard enough, I'm sure, to go down as far as he possibly could in order to get the solid ground. And apparently it took many weeks of, of backbreaking and work. In order to do it, and of course they would have also had to work with the tide, so they would have screwed into place the the piles, and then they would have built a platform up from that, and then the 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 light would actually be placed on top.
0: The ships inbound at Duncanon were then, they, they, you know, they, they needed a navigation point. Obviously, staying well clear of the, the shallow waters, the weird banks, and such. So originally, it had a red light, a green lens added later. It cost about two and a half thousand, which was pounds, which was a lot of money in those days. And it, it used various methods of powering it, including at one stage, I see from your book, an aga lighting system
1: yeah it it was it was to light it was basically the next point to to follow on once you got past the the duncannon and the 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 uh, sandbar at Duncannon, and you would then follow along up and interestingly enough tom there's actually several mentions of a perch so it would have been it wouldn't have had a light on it, and i I only confirmed this lately with uh, Peter golden who has the uh, pete Irish lighthouses, uh, uh, blog page. Uh, So it would have been unlit, and the idea being then to put the light there so that ships could travel at night was, I suppose, was the important feature. The other thing that was really interesting about it was that because originally they would have used paraffin they would have had to stay with the light. So the lighthouse keeper and an assistant who were appointed at the same time that it became operational actually stayed aboard the spit um, and would have stayed with it all through the night to make sure that the light and the paraffin was, was kept up to up to embark and that it didn't go out. So when the Aga. Light came in, which was about 1914, or at least that's when it was being talked about in the Harbour Board as wanting to or needing to be implemented. That was seen as a real step forward because it was using acetylene gas, which burned much brighter. Uh, it also it had the technology to be to be to be switching on and off, which means meant that it used less gas, which was more efficient. But the third feature of it, of course, was it had a sun valve which allowed it to go off once daylight came. So on that basis, it would appear that the lighthouse keeper was made redundant and just a, a man was set to the task of just maybe keeping an eye on it and keeping the maintenance of it.
0: Couldn't have been very comfortable in such a small space at night anyway. What's the situation on the light now? Uh, obviously, modern technology has moved on from the need for the spit light in in, in the Waterford Harbour approaches
1: well, I, think, I still think it's a really important feature, Tom, uh, because the amount of people who are on the water now, recreationally more so, who probably aren't as well aware as maybe they should be of shallow areas and that it makes th- these kind of features, I think, all the more important. Uh, unfortunately, the life itself is in a fairly poor condition and it seems to be getting worse as, as time goes on. And in fact, the, there is a new perch, ironically enough, that's been put in place, a stanchion, a, a metal stanchion driven down just outside of it with a light on top. Um, so in one sense, we seem to be going backwards rather than forwards here with, with, with that piece of of uh technology. But you know, I'm afraid the light itself, the, the, the spit light itself, it's it's in a poor repair at the moment. Um there, there's a good feedback from from the port in terms of heritage. So we might be turning a little bit of a corner in relation to some of the features, the heritage features in the harbour, you know?
0: Author Andrew Doherty, The Spider-Light is one of the many stories in his book, Waterford Harbour, Tides and Tales, recalling centuries of maritime tradition. Andrew was born and raised into a treasure of stories about sailors, maritime people and fishermen on the Waterford estuary and publishes a lovely blog under the title, Waterford Harbour, Tides and Tales. And that's all from this edition of Maritime Ireland. Email me on Maritime Topics to TomXSweeneyMaritimeIreland at gmail.com That's TomXSweeneyMaritimeIreland at gmail.com Phone and text 0872 555197 That's 0872 55197. Five five We're on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and with Daily News, and my weekly newsletter blog is on our website for which the address is Maritime Radioshow.ie. That's Maritime Ireland IE Until our next edition, the usual Wish of Fair Sailing. And thank you for listening and being part of the Maritime Community.